Hi there, and welcome to episode 16 of Oaktown Boys. My name is Dan. And I'm Corey. And, ah, man, unmitigated good week, right? It, it was a good week, and it was exactly as we predicted. It was 5-1. and one. Good guys. You know, I mean, it's only been, I don't know, we've only said 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two, maybe like 50-60% of the time. So <laughs> you say it every time, occasionally you're going to be right. Uh, but it was great. It was five and one, and it was every bit of the five and one that we needed for sure. It was uh, things had been tough. Now that we're the, at the end of a five and one week, I feel like it's safe to look back and say that that was not a very good time. That was like a what seven eight seven week stretch maybe of pretty bad baseball. Yeah, they've essentially been playing 500 or slightly below 500 ever since the All-Star break, and it's really just not what they've been needing to do. I think, obviously, they're on their five-game win streak right now, and when they had hit three games, I saw, I think Brody Brazil had tweeted that the A's had won three, lost three, won three, lost three, like, consecutively. So that's just the way it's been going. I think it was, which, which was, yeah, what was that? Like, so that's at least 12 games of 500 ball just over back that Back and forth agony at the worst possible time. And it and continued in that direction. It like, and it wasn't like before that stretch of 12, they were winning consistently anyway. It was yeah. like, it just wasn't that stark. It was basically 500 ball, but it just wasn't like exactly three and three and three and three. No. But uh, yeah, so five and one feels good. Yep. And um, it even and started I off. It feels, it feels even better to have lost the one and then won five in a row. That's a fun way to do it. Yeah, and when it happened, you know, the only way we could really possibly console ourselves was to say, well, I hope they got it out of the way early this week, but seemingly they did. Um, Tuesday's game was more of the same, more of the continual agony we've been experiencing. The A's got off to a 6-0 lead after the top of the third, quickly gave up four runs right back, uh, scored one of their own back, and then after five, they were still winning, uh, seven to four, but of course, the, uh, bullpen couldn't blow it or hold it. Specifically, Petit blew it for four runs, uh, right after Dan had just instilled his confidence in him last episode. Um, bad timing on that, but yeah, it was a classic A's bullpen blow up. And after that game, panic levels were sky high. It pretty much felt like the A's had to go five and oh the rest of the week in order for them to still have a decent shot. Lo and behold, well, I mean, that was, did that. I mean, that was after losing that game, that was the first time in a while that they had been like, what is it? 10 games over 500, Yeah, which is, you know, you're not, you're obviously not 500, you're 10 games over 500, but it, it felt like being at 500, you know, like it was, it felt like the lowest they could possibly go while still having some glimmer of hope of being able to turn it around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, now that, now that they've won five in a row since then, it's much easier to look back. I think I have, I'm wearing my rosy red glasses a little bit about it. You know, like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. Um, no, on Tuesday it was bad. It was, that was bad. It was bad. And it was, it was, bad. it was bad that they lost and it was bad that we knew it was going to happen and it happened. Frankie and Montas just, just really didn't have it that day on the day when he needed to have it. And, again, Petit blew it. Romo blew it. It was just an all-around bad pitching day. And to start off a fun trend for this week, the A's left 20 men on base on Tuesday. 20? <laughs> With this, uh, buckle in, guys, because there are going to be some staggering men left on base numbers coming at you guys pretty quickly here. We'll keep track. We'll do a weekly tally. So that's 20 so far. So uh, Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday was better. The A's, well, do you want to take this, Dan? You want- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Wednesday, still a crazy game and still, man, a lot of a lot of things not to like. But they won. Um, they won 12 to 10. Um it was just everyone, both teams were scoring a lot. Um, Manaya got through five, which in retrospect is kind of crazy, seeing, thinking about how many runs got scored in that game. Um, he wasn't great, but he got through five. Um, I kind of remember him uh, being good. Is that right? Is that right? It was, it, well, it, it was like, I think, especially in context, it felt like he was good, you know? Like, uh, it seemed like everything was either a double or a home run. So he was getting guys out occasionally, and it was like, all right, well. 
Um, but, uh, so he was okay. He was fine. He was good enough. Um, he gave up five runs through five, struck out three, walked one, nine hits. So yeah, not his best, not his best outing. Um, but we're up, uh, we're up 12 six after seven. Uh, Trevino came in and looked good for man, the first time in a while. Um, that's huge. Struck out five through two. Yeah. And just looked good. Looked like his old self. Um, which is fleeting at this point. Um, but they turned it over to Deekman and Deekman just would, didn't have it. Didn't have it at all. Um, gave up, gave up three runs seemingly in the blink of an eye. Like I, it was, it was so quickly 12 to nine that I, I felt like it was never 12 to six. Um, and then Chafin came in, cleaned it up. I mean, I, he got, we won the game. He, uh, he, he, it wasn't great. He was also not great. And it, it took a unbelievable, unbelievable series of events in the bottom of the ninth inning for them to win this game. But bottom line, Andrew Chafin got the last four outs. He did give up one runner and there were people on base and they very easily could have at least been tied or lost, but, uh, it was a win and it was an exciting win. Um, and I'm at this point, I'm kind of tired of exciting games, but it was another exciting game. Um, and they won. You know, so, uh, it was so exciting. It was so exciting because they, they left like 26, they left 26 men on base. That's why it was so exciting. And that, they left 26 and so 26 base, 26 men in that game alone. Yeah. So we've got a 20 and then a 26. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's only two games into the, the week. Elvis had four hits that game. Canna had three hits that game. Uh, shout out Chris Davis, pinch hit RBI single, which yeah, you know, which ended, was big. Ended it up being big at the time, but ended up being massive. Yep. Um, but yeah, first so win number one, win number one of the week. Win number one on the week, swiftly followed up by win number two. Um, Paul Blackburn was on the bump and he looked a little shaky to start. And quickly gave up a two-run home run to none other than Salvador Perez for his uh, record-setting or tying 45th home run by a catcher. Amazing stuff, really. Uh, but he settled down, and he ended up getting the win. He went five innings, gave up six hits, two earned, walked two, struck out three. Diolis Guerra came up big again and went two innings in crunch time when we really needed him. Kept the game close. Uh, Chafin and Roma also did their job, and the A's, who scored four runs in the third inning, didn't score anything till the the ninth, but tacked on another three in the ninth for just a, like a, a thorough victory, which is something we haven't seen much of, especially lately. Um, so it was nice to see the team in control for an entire game, and it <clears throat> um, was just really cool to see Paul Backburn contribute and get a a victory on his resume for that. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, the, you know, these, uh, nothing feels, nothing feels easy at this point. Um, but this one kind of did a little kind bit, of. a little bit. It was, uh, it was good enough. They responded, they got down early and they responded well. Um, and that's good to see this time of year. Um, man, I mean, I, we're, I think we're, I, I feel like I'm running out of superlatives for Salvador Perez, but I think I'm not the only one. I think everyone kind of is at this point. Um, it just genuinely feels like the guy is going to hit a moonshot every time. And at this point, most of the time he, he does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just, it's uh, at least what happened in that series against us was it just seems like, yeah, every mistake, every, like every, every like poorly placed fastball, he's just going to park it. He's absolutely going to park it. Um, and I don't know how he's doing it. The guy's catching every day and <laughs> I don't know still, but, but, uh, but yeah, good win. Very good win. Um, I think kind of a really, a really important follow up to the 12, 12 runs, being able to put seven up, you know, um, starts to be a little bit of consistency, offensive consistency, which is, uh, good to see for sure. Because if you can score 12 runs, seven runs, um, as we talked about what happened on Wednesday, your pitchers can have a uh, can have a bad outing, and sometimes you can outscore that. 
Um, so for a team that that needs wins, that's a good thing to be doing right now, scoring runs. And yeah, good for Paul Blackburn. Um, and then on Friday, oh sorry, what? They left 20 men on base <laughs> on Thursday, meaning they left 66 on base in the Royal series, which is even more than they left on in the Angel series, which is what we were so gassed up about. Talking about pre-show. Okay, so what? Hold on. 66 men on base in this series alone? In the Royals series, yep. And how many runs did we score? What was this? What was the score on Nin- Tuesday? 19, 26 runs. They scored 26 runs. And they left 66 men on base? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Crazy stuff. Um, somehow okay, well, I mean, they won the series. It somehow wasn't as apparent as it was in this Angel series, but yeah, man, the A's are the offense is so close to just steamrolling everybody, but they're not quite there. And the pitching yeah, I mean, just I, needs to shore itself up. It's it's trending in the right direction, but we're we're getting it is. Uh, and the that yeah that like that's like two separate thoughts in my head. It's like we're they're putting they're getting an unbelievable amount of men on base. You know, like there, that is just having that much traffic on the base paths is kind of crazy anyway. Um, and yeah, it's also a little bit distressing that they're not scoring like tons of runs, but, uh, still, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll start happening soon. Anyway. Okay. Friday, Friday, um, five, four win to me felt like the biggest one, the most important one. Maybe I don't know. I, I just felt like this was the most, this was the game they were going to lose. And they didn't. And they didn't, yeah. You know, like the bullpen really uh, showed up <laughs> when they had to. It's, it had been a long time since I've seen this uh, six innings by the starter and then one innings of clean baseball by three relievers to follow. It's a really nice thing to look at in the box score. It is. And Cole Irvin, um, you know, yeah, defense didn't do Cole Irvin any favors on this day. No. Uh, he still, still – Still pulled the win out. I mean, essentially, he six innings, seven hits, one earned, one walk, three strikeouts. And, uh, I mean, the one earned, Kurt Suzuki got him for a homer to start off the second. And that's really all he should have given up. So uh, this is one of those cases where, like, the run to earn run thing is, is like, very representative. Um, technically, four runs scored against him, but it should have been, it should have been one. Um, he was really good. Um, and yeah, the offense got it done. I mean, uh, Josh Harrison is just in the middle of everything right now. You know, it seems like we are, he's playing really well and it seems like we're getting lucky enough where he is always coming up in spots where we need him to come up. You know, like if we, if we just need a sack fly, it seems like it's always Josh Harrison and it's like, yes. <laughs> he's the man for the job right now. I know Josh Harrison can get a sack fly right now. They actually uh, had him start a shortstop to give Elvis a day off. And I do think that he misplayed a ball um, that Elvis would have made, which is part of the reason that they gave up three unearned runs. But yeah. obviously, Jay Hay is a huge part of the reason they're doing so well lately. So not trying to take anything from him. Just an observation that <clears throat> missing Elvis may have hurt them a little bit there. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's short. Our shortstop situation is, well, we'll talk, I think we'll, we'll talk about that later on. Um, but, yeah, they won. They won. They won again. And Cole Irvin pitched well again, which is, uh, you know, uh, this is, man, so big to see that Cole Irvin is like, uh, Cole Irvin is like legit, dude. We, I mean, we knew, I think on some level we knew, but now he's really showing that this is like, uh, none, none of this is fluky. Like, Cole Irvin's like a number three, solid number three. It sure seems and, like it, yeah. Uh, it's good to see. So what was that, win number three? In a row? That was three in a row. Yeah, big hit by Harrison in the sixth inning to get two RBIs to take the lead in that game. And Romo shut the door with a clean save, which was really cool. And the wild ride of Sergio Romo right now. Yeah, we, that ride continued. What a, we had a big, crazy Romo experience yesterday, didn't we? This is Monday. We did. Anywho, on to Saturday. The A's won three to one. And Dalton Jeffries was supposed to start this game, which I was pretty excited about. Uh, he was taking the role of Caprillion, who has definitely looked tired lately. 
But uh, Jeffries has a nerve thing in his elbow, so James, uh, James Caprillion was the one for the job again, and he shined. He went six innings, two hits, nothing else, five strikeouts. And they actually had um, – nope, I'm sorry. This is, I was thinking of the next day. Dioli Scare came in, and he really had to battle out of an inning – and it looked like he got out of it. There was this crazy replay call where the ace made this amazing double play. Was this yesterday? Dan, am I getting my games mixed up? No, I think that was I think that's that was the game. I think this was I think that was Saturday. Okay. There was a crazy double play, Diolis had to cover first, like dove, caught the ball, tagged first base all at once, and as he hit the ground the ball popped out of his glove, but the umpire had already called him out and then Everyone was pumped, and we went to the commercial, and then we came back, and he was out there pitching again because the replay had overturned it, and it was terrible. Um, anyways, just really gutsy outing by him, amazing play. It's sad that he didn't get credit for it. And then just amazing jobs by Petit and Chafin, although it got real dicey. Uh, the, really, the whole game was dicey, but in the last inning, Chafin was trying to close the door in the bottom of the ninth. Bases were loaded. Two outs. And a single would have at least tied the game for the Angels, but a little soft line drive, which I was sure was going to be a single, somehow got snow coned by Jay Hay up the middle, and the game was over. And there's already Air Harrison shirts being made because it was, I mean, in some ways it did. It saved the A season. You know, the, every day there's a new chance to save the A season, and that was a moment that ha- it happened. Um, Matt, it was Matt, unbelievable. Go ahead. It was unbelievable. It was un- it, it was unbelievable. I was sure, I was, you know, there's like, what, three or four different moments this week where we were probably sure the A's were going to blow the game, and they did not. <laughs> crazy. And, and, I mean, just Josh Harrison. God, Josh Harrison's amazing. Thank God for him. And take us home, Dan. Um. Okay, and then... Yesterday, Sunday, um, it was Shohei versus Frankie Montas. And uh, as good as James Caprillion was on Saturday, and he really was, it may have been the best. I was going to say that. I forgot. It may have, that may have been the best Caprillion stuff looked all year. Out of nowhere, but yes. Yeah, which was crazy. Um, and, and that's not even to say that his stuff hasn't looked good, like really good at points this year. Because it totally has. I mean, he's looked very, very, very good for long stretches this year. But man, that was—he was on point. Um, and to continue that, uh, Frankie Montas picked, picked up the ball yesterday and just decided to be, just went went toe to toe with Shohei and got got the better of him for sure. Um, Frankie Montas, seven innings, one hit, four walks. Um, and I saw a stat that. Obviously, he threw 16 balls to those four batters that he walked. Um, the entire rest of the game, he threw seven balls. So, um, I mean, as we've talked about, Frankie Montas can lose it for a little bit and then gets it back together and is dominant. And that used to mean that he would lose it for like two or three batters and then he would get it back together. And sometimes that would mean one run. Sometimes that would mean two runs. But it seems like he's shrinking that down to losing it for like a span of maybe five pitches and then getting it back together or losing it for like three pitches and getting it back together. And, uh, you know, when you make those adjustments with the stuff that he has, you end up with outings like this. And it was unbelievable. He was just unhittable. He was all, I mean, he gave up one hit in seven innings. He was almost unhittable. Um, and I mean, Shohei was Shohei. Shohei struck out 10 in eight innings. Um, Gomes got him for a homer in the third inning, and Chapman got him for a homer in the fourth inning. And I mean, if there is a uh, like uh, problem with Shohei as a pitcher, he's like a little bit prone to the long ball. Um, the so works. they got him. But yeah, I mean, I, but he and I, I guess he walked three, not that bad. But you, if you're going to beat him, yeah, you got to beat him with walks and homers. Um, and it was two solo homers, which I didn't think was going to do it. Um, but held up, held up until the bottom of the ninth, until Sergio Romo came in and just. Wasn't very good. Wasn't very good at all. Uh, gave up three hits in a row. Yeah, he got one out. He gave up two runs. Um, 
they brought Trevino in. I thought it was over. <laughs> we um, all thought it was over. And Trevino was great. Trevino gave up absolutely nothing. The closed out the ninth, kept it tied. Um, we started the top of the tenth with Matt Olson on second, moved him over to third, and then Jed Lowry, Mark Hanna moved him over to third, and uh, Jed Lowry got him home, put us up three two, and then Lou shut the door and on what is probably the most um, unbelievable win of the season. I I have never been so sure that they were going to lose a game that they. Won. I mean, probably that's probably a little bit of hyperbole. There's probably been times where. I was more sure they were going to lose, and they won. But I can't remember one, um, and it's crazy. I'm so happy they won. I couldn't believe it. These are games they have not won for, like, two months. Yeah. And it's great. They've and won, I, like, three or four of them this week. <laughs> and in a row, you know? Like, they're just – it's like – which is cool. I mean, uh, you love a five-game win streak. But, uh, you, like, begs the question, like, where has, where has any of this been? You know, and just I'm hoping that the luck is starting to go their way a little bit. So let's go back to this runners left on base topic because they left a bunch on in the Angels series too. So in the Angels series, they combined for 57 men left on. So on the week, that's 66 plus 57, and if you mathify it, you get a number that's high. What one three? What'd you say? 123? Yeah, that's right. I I have a math major. Uh, (laughs) So they left 123 runners on, which is crazy. And I mean, when you think about it, it's, it's like a, it's not like they left that many unique runners on base, right? So when Chad Pender strikes out with the bases loaded, then Matt Chapman also strikes out with the bases loaded. Like that's six left on base, but it's really the same three guys. But anyway, I mean, they were filling the bases, and that's really what you have to do to score runs. So couldn't come at a better time to see this offense putting so many people on base. And hopefully yeah, and you, the hits with bases loaded will start to come. And um, you, you know, you're talking maybe four hits, four well-timed hits over the course of the week. And, I mean, we're talking maybe 10, 11 more runs, you know? Um, it was, they were really close. They were really close to having a really big offensive week and they went five and one. It wasn't like they had a bad week, you know, like we, it, they, they, they went five and one and it feels like they did about 80% of what they could have done. I will say though, cashing in on just a couple of those opportunities could have made a lot less stress. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, the years that this season has taken off of our lives, we're never going to get back. So, you know, that's, that's okay. we've already made that investment anyway. But yeah, uh, I prefer to spend my time anyways. Yeah, true. I mean, it's it's fun. And, and you know, if they end up winning the World Series, it's going to be a wild story. And I can we'll say take, that. We'll take more years off our life in celebration. <laughs> Absolutely. If, yeah, if, that's, if that's what's happening this year, then... It's going to be a long haul. We got a lot. It's going to be, it's going to be stressful times, but I'm here for it. I'm not complaining at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looked good. The offense looked good, you know? It did. And Uh, the pitching is showing signs. My my moment of the week was Lou Trevino stepping up majorly. He saved the day yesterday. He got, he got the win, but he got the metaphorical save. He saved the season again. If you want to go that far, he definitely saved the day. Uh, yeah, it was all over, folks, and somehow he got through the dreaded bottom of the 10th extra innings with a runner starting on second, unscathed, just magical. So hats off to Lutrevino, hoping that he Lutre can take this and move forward. He got a capital S save yesterday. Oh, yeah. Like a big save. Like a yeah. save, saved everybody's ass save. <laughs> um, BS, but not blown save, like big save. Yeah, big, big save. We should make a separate category. We should keep track of those. Yeah, anyone who gets 10 in a season needs MVP consideration. Um, my my big moment of the week is uh, James Cabrillion. We talked about it a little bit. Um, I can honestly talk about it forever because it was amazing. Um, he was just – that is – that was first-round pick, James Cabrillion. You know, I mean, it was uh, – it all makes sense when he when he's looking like that, when his stuff is – doing exactly what he wants it to do. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy might, you know, like this guy might be a number one. You know, he's got a little bit of Rich Harden in him when he's on. And uh, 
that's it's good to see. It's fun to have those guys on your team. Like he's uh you know, I mean he's not throwing like ninety eight, but when he's going well, he's a power arm. You know, he like he he blows ninety four mile an hour fastballs by people when he's going well. And I love him. I love having him on the A's. I was happy when they traded for him. I was skeptical a little bit. You know, I think I was as skeptical as anybody else was with the health issues that he'd had. But I think at some level I knew if he could if he could get healthy that he was gonna be good. And here he is. He's healthy and he's pretty good. He's got that short arm funk about him, and that can be dangerous. Well, and it just makes me excited for next year too. You know, I mean, if he's if all goes well, James Capone stays healthy, blah 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 blah, has a normal off season. You know, we could be looking at if everything goes well, James Capone going for two hundred innings next year. That would be you cool. Know? That'd be crazy, but I'd like to see it. Um. So, so uh, I think our first topic here is mainly about our postseason picture here. Who are Absolutely. we more likely to catch at this point is the grand question. There are three teams that we're chasing, uh, if you don't include the Astros. Let's just um, not talk about the division chase at the moment. There's a more easier fish to fry, I should say. The A's are trailing the Astros by six games. They, But it, it's possible. It's possible. I believe they have at least six games left against the Astros themselves. So let's just, you know, who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I don't, I, don't think we need, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on that other than to say that it's possible. And just because we're not talking about it doesn't mean we think it can't happen. That's right. It's, we will talk about Crazy. That's kind of all you can really say about that. We'll, we'll talk about the more likely of outcomes, which is the A's making it to the wild card. So Boston's yeah. in the lead. They've got a one-game lead over the Blue Jays, who have the second spot. The Yankees are one and a half games behind the Blue Jays. The A's are two games behind the Blue Jays. So uh, Yankees and A's are tied at 67 losses. Yankees have one more win. Boston and Toronto both have 65 losses. So really, we're just we're trailing by two losses. I'm way more scared of Toronto right now just because of the way they've been absolutely destroying everybody. Their run differential is up to 177, which is over 100 better than the Red Sox or us. Uh, I don't know. The Red Sox have just kind of mystified me all year. I, have, I wasn't really sure how they were doing it, but now they have Chris Sale back, so I'm a little bit less unsure. Now it makes more sense. Um, I mean, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Blue Jays have the second best run differential in the AL. So yeah, that doesn't you know. seem fluky anymore. If their pitching can hold up, the re- well, and now, that Jose, now the Jose Barrios deal makes a ton of sense. You know, yeah, that's true. It's I, true. I remember when they traded for him, it was a little bit like oh, they were they were like five games over 500. Yeah, they're like, a little bit like, okay, Blue Jays, whatever. You're going to sell the farm for this. So, joke's on us. Um, but, yeah, I, I have – you see the Yankees run differential? Yeah, it's down to 23. I The Yankees are falling apart. They're falling apart. And I was watching um, Talking Baseball this morning, and Trevor Plouffe asked – Jimmy and Jake about <laughs> how they feel about the Yankees. And they're both just like, there's literally no Yankees fan left in the world that has hope of them making the playoffs. And even if they do, like what? One game? What are they going to do in a one-game playoff game? Like, they're going to lose. So, yeah, they're totally defeated as a fan base, which is nice. Well, dude, and yeah, it feels like the how bad Garrett Cole got rocked uh, was a backbreaking. <laughs> it was yeah, that's he got he got torched. You know, he got blown up. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like we are going. I mean, we've essentially caught the Yankees, but we're gonna. I think we're gonna pass the Yankees here in pretty short order. Um, if if only because they're going to continue free falling. I think we're gonna keep winning. I hope we keep winning, but I think the Yankees are gonna answer that question for us. The Yankees are gonna fade. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's us and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays and. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight. It's the, it's gonna be stri- the next series for these teams. The Red Sox are playing the Mets, so who knows what'll happen there? The Blue Jays are playing the Rays though, so that's that's an opportunity for us to catch up for sure. Yeah, I mean the Rays are man, the Rays are so good. The Rays, the Rays are, are so the Red, 
Very, they're very gonna... happy that we have zero games left against the Rays. Yeah, we didn't look very good against them this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we, so I think I'd rather, I'd rather play the Red Sox just because I think the Blue Jays are way better. You know, I, uh, if we have to deal with the Blue Jays in the event that we make the playoffs, um, I would rather see the Blue Jays later. You know, I'd like the chance to get, get them going in the playoffs a little bit against a team who isn't going to drop nine runs on our head bottom of the first inning. I you completely know. agree with that. I don't want to play the Blue Jays in a one, one game playoff. Um, so I don't know, but I, I am, man, I'm, I feel really good right now. <laughs> it's just really nice that it's, you know, it's not foolish of us to, to be paying attention and hopeful because it felt that way. It's starting to feel that way. And now, you know, two games out, anything can happen. Yeah. I mean, it, the, I mean, bummer is, I mean, it's, I am being wildly conservative here, you know, but, uh, man, you just take away five extremely stupid losses that the A's have this year. And we are comfortably in the wild card. We are comfortably in wild card position number one game behind the Astros. And they have lost way more than five stupid games this year. You know, like I talked about it a little bit last week, but I mean, it's just like, I, I know this isn't exactly how wins above replacement works, but man, I, uh, Trevor Rosenthal, if Trevor Rosenthal was, went out there and had a good year this year, he might be at like a 15 war season. <laughs> uh, he would, whether the because it's number a, supported the it or not. The we are, it's crazy. We are in playoff position because our, our bullpen has done everything they could possibly do to torpedo our player, our playoff chances. Um, but we're still here. We're still here. We still here. The only we thing that really, worries, the only thing that really, um, really worries me that I've kind of been looking at, looking at all the standings, looking at everything. Our record against teams that are above 500 is like outlier bad. Like we, we are, uh, we're 28 and 44 against teams that are above 500. And, uh, that's not very good. You know, uh, every, all the other good teams are mostly above, at or above 500 against teams that are above 500. And, uh, we are not very close. And I don't know whether that means that we've just been playing the Astros a lot or, um, I don't know. But one way or another, not a great thing. Because uh, the teams that are in the playoffs are going to be above 500. Yeah. Totally. And it's tough. I mean, we know that this team has been bad for for great yeah. stretches of time, for many games. They clearly can be good. But, um, yeah, I mean, for most of the season, they've been pretty disappointing. And so it's not that surprising, I guess. <laughs> Makes sense. Just weird. It's, it's strange that we still... Strange that we're still finding a way to be in the play. I mean, because I we must really be torching teams that are below 500, which I guess is cool. But uh, I don't know, man. It doesn't feel that way, but yeah, it no, is interesting. But that has to be true. So how how um, do we how do we move forward? Um, playoffs aside, we know it'd be great if we could keep Josh Harrison. And then, I mean, let's have this quick debate: Harrison or Marte so far? Who's been more important. If you compare wars, B wars, baseball ref wars, in Oakland, Harrison's only put up a point two. Marte's put up a, a one point four. And I think probably a ton of that's just from how crazy athletic and fast Marte is. Harrison's he's a slower middle infielder. Not stealing um, the bags. I think going forward, um, you know, assuming that Josh Harrison is enjoying Oakland, which it seems like he is, um, he fits our blueprint perfectly. Yep. You know, um, he is, he just seems like he, and, and I, I, we, I focus a lot on Josh Harrison because I, Marte's not coming back. We're not going to read him. Yeah, no. That's the big thing about Harrison. 
$50 million, you know, like, we're not going to do that. Harrison's a realistic option and one that I would really like. Yeah, and that that doesn't solve um, some of the positional issues that we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, it kind of mitigates them a little bit, you know? Um, it, you know, it doesn't solve second. It doesn't solve short. Um but it definitely gives you a guy you can play there maybe 25, 30% of the time, which means you don't have to find another guy that can play there a hundred percent of the time. You just have to find a guy that can play there most of the time. Um, and I think that is a lot of the value of a lot of these players that the A's have kind of dug up in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, it's like you, you need to fit this. You need, you, we need to find, Square pegs for our square for our square holes, you know. And uh, Josh Harrison seems like a square peg for sure. So want to keep him around. Feel like we could get him on a two year deal for not that much, and uh, be on our way to a great off season this this off season. But he's also playing really really well right now. And if he, if he continues to hit the cover off the ball and make crazy defensive plays for the rest of September, he might just price himself out of our price range too. So uh, he might, we shall, yeah. He signed for a one-year, $1 million deal, and really his offensive numbers are down or at least in line with previous years. So I don't – we'll see. What, if we could get him for one year, $1 million, you kidding me? <laughs> Dude, yeah, well, I'll send him some money. Yeah, that's going around wow. on Twitter, and I kind of would – I'd be curious to see if that could gain any steam. Like, the, the fans get uh, – Donated five thousand dollars to the Harrison contract, and the A's will be like, hmm, five thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, that's not nothing. It's not nothing. Uh, anyway, so I think I, I mean, obviously, I think Marte's been more important, but Harrison's been really important, and might come back. So, um, hopefully. And I mean, I guess, I mean, the other two guys too, we just talk about, we talk about all the guys that, that we traded for. I mean, if we yeah. get Andrew Chafin back, I'm going to be a happy camper. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know about, I'm, I mean, I, I love Jan Gomes, but I just, I feel like he's going to be expensive too. I was just looking at an article on MLB trade rumors and he's really like, there's just not a good crop of catchers this offseason. So he's like maybe the top free agent catcher, which is. Yeah. So I mean, he's going to get a lot of, a money. little shocking, but he is really good. So. Makes sense. And, I mean, as fun as it is to have him on the team, and as much as he's us, um, we do have Sean Murphy. So we got you know, Sean Murphy. Not... We got Sean Murphy, and there's other catchers that can like, catch. It seems like, for for the most part, we can kind of find that backup catcher. As long as we have a catcher, you can find a backup catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can always get, just go get Stephen Vogt if we need to. As long as he's not too hurt. So, yeah, if we can get Josh Harrison, that would be great, and it would help at least solve, you know, the second and or shortstop issue. I'd be kind of surprised if we move away from Elvis even next year. It just seems like he's the perfect option to walk the line between rebuilding and competing for free. (laughs) And I think it'll be interesting – if they just kind of hold off until Nick Allen's ready. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be that mad about that. I wouldn't be that mad about it. Obviously, it could possibly waste some Chapman Olsen time. But who knows? You know, Billy Bean and David Forster are often pretty good at putting together a respectable team when you least expect it. I'd be a little surprised if they go full, full rebuild and say, like, trade Chapman and Olsen this offseason. I'd expect them to wait a little longer. I don't know Um, what's going to happen. The future is totally a big question mark for the A's. It is indeed. Um, And, I mean, on some level, it always is. You know, like, uh, I think the anomaly has been that we have had consistent answers for this many seasons in a row. (laughs) You know, um, we have had Matt Olson and Matt Chapman and, you know, to a lesser extent, um, 
Chad Pinder and Mark Hanna kind of for a long time now. So uh, the inconsistency that plagued us for a long time kind of hasn't been around. So, I mean, you, you, you feel like that's probably going to come back around at some point. I mean, it is the way they run the team. So, um, yeah, just trying to have a good time while it's going on, you know. I'm looking at the depth chart, and I can't help but feel optimistic and just think, you know, if we can get one good outfielder, maybe like a Hunter Renfro type, and, um, you know, a good middle infielder, maybe like a Jose Iglesias. They could fill in the gaps well enough that the team could keep competing. Who knows? I mean, you wonder a little bit if they really didn't pay anyone last year because of the pandemic, you know? A little bit. Like, That's what they say. If they would have taken a little bit more of an aggressive approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and they may next offseason. Who knows? Um, but I, I – Jed, Jed Lowry isn't playing that great. He's not. Um, and I mean, I guess he could be hot, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's out there OPS and, you know, like 720, which isn't terrible, but also we're not going to lie to ourselves and say that Jed's defense at second is so transcendent that he can go out there dragging a 720 OPS to the plate. You know, like his, the reason you kind of stand his defensive limitations is because he's usually hitting the ball, but he's doubling a lot and stuff. And he just hasn't been, you know. Are his like, splits I think okay? I, like, is he? His OBP is fine, but his just his slugging percentages. I think he's just losing it a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's you know he's a place we could upgrade over. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think that is. There's a lot of, I mean, even just maybe going full time with Josh Harrison at second. You know, I would like to see that. We got Tony Kemp too. We got Tony Kemp too. Um, it's true. It's true. And Tony Kemp is, I am very comfortable saying at this point, Tony Jem, Tony Kemp is a legit MLB player. Yep. You know, he's. I don't even think needs to be part of a platoon really. I mean, he's in Oakland, so he's going to be. But um, yeah, I don't think he needs to be. I think Tony Kemp could play every day. Part of me is really enjoying the Jed Lowry, Chris Davis platoon. It was just, you know, the A's fan in me can't help but love that. <laughs> yes. And Chris Davis looks good. Still has yet to homer. But uh, he you looks healthy. Coming. I can't wait. It's going to be it's gonna be amazing. The first Chris um, Davis and, homer. And he, it, he looks – it's interesting because he was – now, retrospectively, he was so clearly hurt and then recovering from being hurt because he looks like a different guy. He does. You know, the Chris Davis that's playing for the A's now looks like a completely different player than the one that last played for the A's before he left, before he was traded. And he's going to lead the charge this week against the Mariners and the Astros. We got a we got a full slate this week. We got seven games in seven days. That's what I'm talking about right there. Four against the Mariners starting at 6:40 p.m. Pacific time tonight. And then uh, three against the Astros. These are all at home. This is the last home game of the year, or home stand of the year, I believe so. So, yep, huge week ahead, as these have all been. I would love um, to see them go at least five and two. I think that firmly keeps them in the race. Yes, I agree with that. Um, I, If they're hot, you know, I mean, you want to go – I mean, maybe, maybe they could do six and one. If I don't know the Astros. I feel like you, we got, this is our best opportunity to just kind of put the Mariners out of their misery. Yep. A sweep, you know, would really, really, really be great. Really, sweep really. Mariners great. at home. Win two out of three um, against the Astros. That'd be nice. But I mean, even realistically, um, Split with, split with the Astros. Sweep the Mariners, split with the Astros. I'm not that mad. Well, we can't. And also, I mean, it's getting to the time of year where you can do whatever you do, and a lot is just dependent on what other teams do, which is kind of annoying. But all you can really do is handle your business, you know? So, first and foremost, that's what they have to do. But uh do need a little bit of help. 
do need some help. Um, yeah, unfortunately, they can't split against the Astros. That's a three-game set, Dan. But Oh, is it four against the Mariners then? Yep. Oh, I thought it was four against the Astros. Oh, well, then you got to win the series against the Astros. Never mind. Never mind. Must win. Um, so, what was... What's the coolest thing you saw this week? What was your moment of the week? Oh, no, no, no. The coolest thing you saw this week. Yeah, uh, for me, it was watching the Padres-Cardinals game. For those that don't know, the Padres are tanking worse than the A's have been. And the Cardinals are on a tear. So it was a big series. Uh, They're like neck and neck for the wild card, roughly. And I believe the Padres were winning maybe 2-0 in the seventh or eighth inning. And all of a sudden, Tatis and Machado are having to blow up in the dugout. And Machado's yelling at Tatis about how it's not all about you. Just go play baseball. Don't worry about that. And I, who knows exactly what it was all about. But I guess Tatis had struck out, and he gave this pouty look about the call. Struck out looking and gave a pouty look. And then I guess it's been grinding the team's gears for weeks now about he's he, Tatis has been so, I don't know, gloomy because he hasn't been playing well or something. Anywho, Machado yelled at him. It was supposed to obviously spark some some good changes, but then the Padres gave up a three-run shot to Tyler O'Neill, who is freaking tearing the ball up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if you don't know who Tyler O'Neill is, look him up. He's got, like, the sixth-best war in the National League this year. And uh, so just really crazy game. Um, terrible for the Padres. They went out and got blown up the next day, and amazing for the Cardinals. So just well, fun, I mean, fun in the I world of playoffs. This has always been true, and it's true this year. Don't let the Cardinals get hot, because when they get hot, they get super hot. You know? They do. And now the Cardinals are super hot. So, I don't the, know. The Cardinals are they're kind of like the A's. They're, um, you know, they're always trying to win. They're rarely tanking. <laughs> and they've been doing yeah. that for 100 years. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I Cardinals are Cardinals are dangerous. Everyone in the NL needs to be on alert for the Cardinals right now. Like I, uh, you know, as good as the Giants are, as good as the Dodgers are, the Cardinals, the dudes the Cardinals have, if they're all healthy and playing well, that's a scary team. You know, especially with with uh, Adam Wainwright on fire again. Yeah, they, they have dudes that have done it like at least two times before, and they've got a a beautiful mix of veteran and youth. And they've got a guy named Lars Trufon. What's his name? Probably gonna get Tyler O'Neill's probably gonna get down ballot NL MVP votes. You know, oh, like yeah. he's he's having a good year. What's that guy's name? Lars Newtbar. <laughs> yes, I think so. They got a good name. Yes, they do. That's a good baseball. That's a good name, Jen. That's a good name name. Um, so, of course, a good baseball name because it's a good anything name. But, uh, yeah, good old Lars. They're going to ride Lars to the playoffs and probably the World Series. Yep, Lars Nutbar. Oh, okay, so, Dan, as our A's look back at the day, I was thinking Eric Burns. Maybe the best one we've done yet. Eric Burns came up. As a rookie with the A's in 2004 at the age of, I'm sorry, he came up at, in 2000 at the age of 24. He really didn't get much run until 2002 when he played 90 games. He wasn't that great. Uh, 291 on base, 90 OPS plus. And then 2003 and 2004 and 2005, he was more or less an everyday player for the A's. He started getting OPSs over 100. Ace traded him mid-year 2005 to the Rockies. He kind of bounced around, went to the Rockies, went to the Orioles, and then I don't know if I, I forget if he got a big contract right away or what, but he ended up playing with the Diamondbacks pretty well for a few years. Um, was finished 11th in MVP balloting in 2007 when he had a 21 home run, 83 RBI, 353 on base, 103 OPS plus year. So he was really never an amazing um, offense, offensive producer, but he always played with 
a ton of passion and he was diving all over the place. I, I know from his A's days, there's a few highlights that stand out. And one was just like this insane Superman style catch in foul territory where it seemed like he flew through the air for like 10 feet. He did yes. a lot of that stuff. Yes. He was one of the funnest players I remember watching growing up. He was just, he was a crazy man. He was absolutely crazy man. He was absolutely no regard for his own safety. Um, and I think got him hurt a couple times. Not real bad, but definitely got him hurt. And probably shortened his career a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Eric, you were never going to try harder than Eric Burns. No. Nope. It was, uh, if you beat him, you were going to have to just be better than him. You weren't going to, uh, there, it wasn't going to be an effort thing. And it's, it's um, a beautiful and, thing. Uh, and that was important on that team. You know, I mean, that was, there was, uh, there were some big personalities for sure. Um, and Eric Burns was absolutely not one of them. So good guy. Great. A. God love him for uh, hitting the cycle against San Francisco. That was a good moment. Yes. yes. Anything that you do against the giants like that will forever cement you in A's lore. Um, anyway, so the coolest thing I saw in the MLB this week, I did. I'm sorry, I forgot to say mine. Um, Cedric, Cedric Mullins robbed Gary Sanchez of a homer, and it was one of the cool, one of the coolest robberies of the year. He just made it look so easy. It was like so casual. Um, and Cedric Mullins is just super cool. Cedric Mullins is like a very, very cool player. And uh, yeah, at this point, you got to just kind of believe it all, right? Like he's about to go. He's he's threatening to go thirty thirty. Which is, you know, not quite 40-40, but also pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, Cedric Mullins, my moment of the week. I believe it. I would sure love to see him on a different team, but, you know, maybe the A's. Who knows? And I guess, you know, the Orioles may, the Orioles may get good. If the Orioles could soon. get good, that would be fun, but I just hope that he gets a chance to play on a good team. Yeah, I mean, it was it would it would make a lot of sense to see him end up as, like, a Yankee. Yeah, he'd probably hit 50 home runs. Um. Anyway, I think that's uh, that's kind of all we got, right? I think that's a wrap for episode 16. Alrighty, and uh, maybe we should have mentioned this at the beginning. I don't know, but this is the first time that we have done this remotely. We are not in the same room right now. Yes, I was COVID quarantining this past few days. Maybe I got to do it more often because the A's have won every day since. So, I mean, keep you know, that in mind. We're just trying to follow the guidelines, you know? That's right. So, um, anyway, that is, uh, I think that's all we have. Um, yeah, hopefully we will talk to you after another one loss week. We'll see you then.